and my husband and I pastor Sozo Church in San Francisco. Um, we just celebrated one year, so we are still learning. So I'm going to sit here during this session and learn just like you guys. Um, we are so thankful for you to be here and to be a part of the conference. Um, as you've heard, we are better together. And I think especially as women, we are better together as women that we can come alongside each other and cheer each other on one just so awesome to be a part of our women and to be a part of our, I know for our family, um, playing at church is not something you just like can do alone. I don't know how anyone did it alone before, but because um, art is just like a great playbook, but it's not just strategy, it's relationship. On the days that are hard, on the days you want to celebrate, it's not just, I mean, there are highs and lows and we get to do this all together, so I'm so thankful for ARC and for ARC women and for moments like today. Um, I wanted to draw your attention to a newsletter that you can sign up for for ARC women. I don't know if you're going to have it on the screen. Maybe. Let's see. Yeah, there it is. You can sign up for the newsletter for ARC women. And when I tell you, when you get this newsletter in your inbox, read it. Just read it right then. It's going to encourage you. This is written by women who have, most that have gone before us and some that are just really recently in it, and every time I read it, it speaks directly to me, and I, I think it's just so much wisdom, and we need wisdom in every day of our life, and we need wisdom as church planners. Yeah. No matter what area, whether you're a pastor, whether you're serving kids, whether you were just a part of the dream team at your church, you need women to speak into your life, and you need wisdom. So I would really encourage you to sign up for that. Um, and I'm just excited for this panel. I just... It's going to be awesome. But before we do that, we have giveaways. If anyone knows Patrick Rizzo, she loves giveaways. So we're going to see um, who we're going to give these gifts to. We have two. I want to see who traveled the farthest to get here today. Where'd you, where'd you come from? Boston. Boston. Did anyone travel further than Boston?
they've been such life for us. And Pastor Lynn is a woman that we can all look to. She carries humility and strength and perseverance like I've never seen. And so I am super thankful for her, and it's an honor to see here today and be able to introduce her to come to the stage to start Oh, same old, same old. But for me, I love a good panel of women. 
where I can just hear from all the different voices and the different seasons that they're in and their journey. And I just am really excited about the girls that we have today on this panel. I think this would be awesome. I don't know if we have any lead team girls here just kind of skipping around. We, I think a lot of them are in different apps. But we just want you to know that we are here for you, the lead team girls. If you need anything while this conference is going on, grab one of us. We'll have prayer with you. We will hug you. Maybe you just need a hug. And we're here for you. I mean it. Amen? I want you to turn to the girl beside you and say, God is for you. And together we can. Uh, as our, with our family, 
And uh, we started our church. We were broke at anything. No money, nothing. And uh, she worked the first two years of our church. And really, we would not have been able to start a church if it wasn't just for you. Not only your heart, you led worship, you took care of kids. You know, but if you're, even your working, your income. She really provided for us for two years uh, during that time because we were just living by faith. She had a good job. And uh, I just want to I want to honor you. Thank you for all of you for the for you. I'm your sidekick. Love it. I love you. You're the best. We're excited to have this wonderful panel of women that are from the West Coast. And we're going to call them up. And if you just want to start by Dino, that'd be great. Just have a seat. Maisha Cheney. Senior pastor, and I think the greatest gift 
in life has been coming home to myself mm-hmm. and seeing God use us over the years, but not losing who I am at the core of my being is the most important and precious thing that I have. And yeah. I'm really grateful for That's that. Great. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Honored to be probably the oldest one up here. <laughs> but you're so cute. <laughs> okay. Um, and um, so we're in Vacaville, California, Northern California, which, if you're not from California, Northern is very different than Southern. That is true. I do like Southern. That is true. Yeah. In some ways. So. But um, Northern California, and we're um, in Vacaville, it's by Sacramento. But Started the church um, 21 years ago and been in ministry 36 years. Wow. And my goodness. Wow. daughters, they're both married, and three grandsons and one granddaughter coming Yay. in December. Girls, <laughs> So I'm excited for that. And I'm just blessed to be part of this group of ladies here, all of you leaders, and um, we have some a few leaders from our church here too but uh, what a privilege to be among such you know go-getters and world changers and it's an honor yeah somebody is excited that's the men over there (laughs) we should all yell and cheer right now and just show them that we are excited Yeah. So, Maisha, let's start with you and tell me. I've heard this is an interesting story, so I don't know it yet. How 
did you invite me? And tell us about that and how the preachers of LA started. So Wayne, he totally tricked me. Um, <laughs> so I grew up in, in the church that we pastor now. I grew up there as a child. I was actually born into that church. And I used to see him and I was like, he is so fine. <laughs> and, but in church, it's hard to like get to know and like date each other. And I thought, surely he was on another level. He was like that guy. And I started going to the worship team rehearsal and he was teaching songs and I got to know him and we went out as a group maybe a few times and then one day I showed up we were supposed to go to the movies and he canceled everybody except for me and I showed up to the meeting spot and was like where's everybody and he was like they're they're not here and I was like well let's go actually was the one to raise me up and teach me about God. I was in the church, but I lived a normal life. I went to school with my friends, and he was the senior pastor. So luckily, he taught me and raised me up, and he told me at the very beginning, because I was so nervous, like, I don't know the Bible, I don't know any of these things, but you cute, so I'm going to read it. <laughs> and um, he said, you have a heart for God. Everything else can be added. That's cool. So That's we went great. with it and rode off into the sunset. So later on, we had the opportunity to be a part of a reality TV show yep. called Preachers of L.A. And it, the author's name. Yes. See, see, it, it was the, it was one of the greatest experiences, but also one of the most difficult experiences. Because I wanted people to like me, and I had a hard time understanding that being a part of this gave people an opportunity to have opinions. And I thought, oh, they don't, they don't like me. I'm doing something wrong. So it kind of. It kind of matured me in a great way, but then it gave another great space and taught me about media and the power of it and how the gospel really has a chance to be spread all across the world through that medium. So it was it was a journey, but it was beautiful. Wow. wow. That's awesome. You know, we, we watch and, and you know, you, you, you try to, you know, like anything you watch reality, you're trying to get to know them and trying to figure it all out. You know, when, when Dan Olerking said that uh, Dan does a lot of our media, Dan Olerking, Big Olerking, so you know, and, and he got connected to y'all. I mean, we were so excited because we just, you know, you, your heart came through uh, through, through that, that medium. And uh, so we just, we just thank God. You know, you thank God for people who get a grace on their life that's different than yours. And they get to do something at a, at a level like that of exposure to the gospel. It's just phenomenal. So I think that's fantastic. I remember our kids love the show. Oh, we, oh, we, we, we all love them, man. We said no to Duck Commander. We said yes to Duck Commander. But, Lindsay, I'm going to ask you, because I know I've gotten to know you and Dan and just love y'all like crazy. Um, you know, getting a church passed down, uh, transitions, blended family, which are super huge to us. Because I think a lot of times, uh, I'll tell pastors constantly, is that, you know, you you talk about, you know, half of the marriages about in the church are blended families. Yeah. So those are so important. Two things. How did you and Dan meet? Yeah. Give us that that version. And then tell us a little bit about 
blended family. I think that's super huge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah absolutely. Well, it's kind of a long story, but I'll condense it for time's sake because we can talk about it. But um, basically, we were set up and then abandoned at a restaurant by my amazing sister and brother-in-law, Kent and Allie Muncie, and um, our friend Marcus Mika. Um, so that, that was interesting. Um, and at that time, I was living in Chicago, and I was helping Kent and Allie at their church, City Church Chicago, where they pastor, and also working in private equity, and I was a single mom, and I was raising my daughter on my own. And so I was just really focused on providing for her and uh, being involved in the church, and I didn't even have time to think about dating, but my sister did. So Dan was actually speaking in Cincinnati at Marcus's church, and Marcus was speaking in Chicago at City Church. And so Dan was going to fly through Chicago to hang with Marcus and Kent, and my sister said, perfect opportunity to connect them together. Because Dan and I uh, went through similar experiences in our previous marriage, so she thought, oh, you guys would be a great match. But little did I know that. She was seeing something on her own. And um, so, after that, um, I thought, okay, well, I guess we can all just go hang out with dinner if you guys all go together. And I didn't know Dan. Uh, Kent and Allie had known Dan and the family for years. In fact, Dan was Kent's youth pastor over 20 years ago. So it's such a small world, but um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. So I thought, okay, well, well, we'll just go out to dinner. You know, it can't be that bad if we're doing a group dinner. And so then we get to the restaurant, and um, Allie and Dan and I walk in, and then um, before we even sat at the table, she goes running out in her heels. She got a call, and Dan and I are just standing there like, okay. Um, and then I get a text to me, and he's saying, I'll be back in three hours. Enjoy, have fun. preaching about yeah. earlier was the deep wells yeah. and uh, personally um, you really have to dig some deep wells for your life and no one can do it for you but it's personal time with the Lord 
in the Word. It's all those disciplines, you know. And life can be busy, pastoring, mothering, working, whatever. You know, it, it takes a lot of time and energy for each one of those things. But if you don't take time for that, you will be empty. And so I think for us, uh, thankfully, in the early years, when sometimes I tell you, when things are harder, your well will be pretty deep. Because it has to be. <laughs> when things get easier, sometimes you don't dig as deep. And so I know the early years were really tough, and we just learned how to get in the presence of God and draw from Him and get healing and seek His face and fall in love. And if you don't know how to get that door open, that's, that's, so that's been our life source of the years. Really, longevity is you just keep coming back to that. And I love how Dave will say, a well-worn path before the throne. You're going to wear that path. It's going to be deep and well-worn, and you're just going to keep going there. It is great. And that's that's been the energy of life for us. Other girls feel like y'all can add to anything you want to as we go along, please. Okay. Yeah. Um, Megan, yeah. have you always wanted to be a pastor? Like, you seem like, you know, when we see you, that you just always had that calling and just so comfortable in it. When did you know this is what I'm called to do? Because it seems like a lot of ARC church planter wives that we come in contact with, that's one of the biggest questions we get. Our husbands are called, but we don't really feel called to do this. We just always try to encourage them. It'll come, you know. But kind of speak to that and encourage them. In that. Okay, so I'll I'll speak to that with a bit of encouragement. But I I think that sometimes I might I feel a little bit like an anomaly in the sense that I when I was a teenager I knew that I was called to ministry. And um, actually, just a funny part of that story is that. I, I knew I was called to ministry, so when I was looking, and I was like, okay, God, what do you have for me? When I met Carrie, and he knew he was called to ministry, I was like, okay, this is perfect. And we were like teenagers. We were way too young to start dating. We got married real young. And, um, not, don't, yeah, 20 and 21. I, I really um, <laughs> but we, we really both knew that we were called to ministry from a young age, and that was what was attractive to me, probably more than anything else, was the purpose of God that was on Carrie's life, because I also knew the purpose of God for my life. But I will say that in the church that I grew up in, everyone challenged me because I felt called to ministry. They were like, okay, well, what are you going to do? What kind of a job are you going to get to support your husband? And I was like, oh, okay. And so I totally, like, I totally fell into that whole thing of, okay, I need to do something else so that I can help support my husband to do ministry. And, and so I went to school and I was like, what can I do where I can still do youth ministry because we love teenagers? And so I just decided I'd be a teacher because teachers have the summer off, right? And, um, and I know that it's a lot more than that. But for me at the moment, I was like, I can teach. We can do this. So I went to school to become a teacher, and, and honestly, God used that in so many ways in my life, and I can look back and see how God put pieces together through that, but I also wish so much that someone would have spoke to the purpose that was inside of me. Yeah. So I don't know where you are in the room today, and if you are a girl that maybe is a little bit more like me, I just want to encourage you, like, you can do the, the thing that is inside of you to do, and the call of God that is on your life to do, and so, and you can do that with a husband. Yeah. And so I just, I want to encourage someone in that because sometimes we miss that moment. And um, 
So I, I knew from a young age that this was something I was called to do and something I was passionate about. And um, for a while, I thought I would always be teenagers. And then God just kind of expanded our heart and our capacity. But I will also say that I, I have so many friends who have wrestled with the idea that God would call them to ministry. And they have kind of felt like, well, this is just what my husband is doing. And so if that's you, I would just encourage you, too, that if God put you together, there's something inside of you that God wants to bring out in the church. And and he'll show you. And you don't have to look like or be anybody else. I think that's the pressure, too, yes. right? I mean, that you feel like, well, yeah. I must need to pick up a microphone and teach now because all the women are doing that. Well, no, if you're not good at it, don't do it. But, I mean, really... passionate about and invest your heart in it and God will pull out the things that he created you for because he put you with that man for a reason and so if that's you if you're on the other side of the equation just know like like Dylan said you're always encouraging people it's okay like it'll come it will as soon as you just go God here's what I love here's what I'm passionate about and you just invest your heart there God will awaken all the other things inside of you and you'll be just running in your lane with purpose so and that's why I love our family
10 years ago, <laughs> what would you tell yourself? What wisdom would you say about the last 10 years? Or five if you're, you're just a baby girl. And so, uh, well, then you want to start it? You want to do first and then we'll go down the line with us? Yeah, I would probably tell myself to chill out. Yeah, yeah chill out too. a little bit because I'm real like he's so laid back, and I'm so not. <laughs> so um, and he so helps me with that. But I'm not a chill out person. I'm like a to do list every day kind of girl. I gotta get it done, and that makes me feel good. Yeah, I have something accomplished, and I'm a perfectionist. So, and it almost has gotten worse since I've gotten older, if I really confess, because my youngest is so like me, and um, it's funny, yeah, poor Dan, he the two of us, but I wasn't, I wasn't that bad as a teenager, but anyway, I got worse, I would tell myself to chill out because I was just worried about everything. You know, everything had to be perfect. Um, our house had to be perfect. I, I felt like I had to look perfect. I wanted the right outfit all the time or the right shoe. You know, just stupid little stuff that us girls worry about. Um, when I had my first baby, oh, she had to be, you know, the best sleeper. Or I had to feed her the right formula. I couldn't nurse, and I cried. I felt like a failure about that. Um, I would just say the chill more because I've learned the older that I've gotten. I'm 49 now. That, yeah, you know, um, but they're like, it's all okay, it's all going to work out. Yeah. You know, and sometimes in the 20s and even in your 30s, you just panic over everything and you worry over everything. And I wish I wouldn't have spent so many days doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So if I can encourage you that, I would tell her, girl, just chill out, it's all going to work out. Yeah. It's not going to be easy, but it's all going to work out. Right. Yes. I think I would say something really similar. I would just... I would just say to my younger self um, that my destiny is waiting. Yeah. It will happen. Yeah. So enjoy the ride. Yeah. yeah. I just would want the full confirmation that it's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's good. And you know, we're kind of all saying that same thing. And I would hope that we can learn when we're young. I, you know, sometimes when you're young, you just haven't experienced a lot yet. And so it feels like you do have to look right, talk right, right family, everything perfect. Uh, but it really doesn't have to be that way. I think uh, for, for me, too, is um, make sure you're only doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's great. And I think yeah, if you're planting great. a church, that can be hard. You're doing everything yeah, until <laughs> some people come, you know. Yeah. You're doing it all. But your kids are only small ones <laughs> and yeah. you grow so fast yeah. and so if you're so busy building the church which I know a lot of times I was and then the perfection thing you know the house and everything comes before everybody else you're missing out on moments and you can't get them back you can't get them back and God's grace and he carries us and covers it but if I could say anything enjoy the moments I know you're about trying to get to there but enjoy the here and the yeah, now so good. and play with your kids, laugh more. I mean, I yeah. was kind of strict and just, I was grumpy, I guess. I, I was kind of like, so grumpy. And I would always think of myself as a fun person, but I was a grumpy mom. And I think it's because you're stressed out about everything. So, yeah, don't be grumpy. Don't be stressed. And it's easy to say that, but try to figure out some ways maybe to just eliminate some of that. Enjoy because you are going to get to there. Yeah. I mean, God's in charge and He's yeah. taking yeah. you to yeah. your heart's That's desire. So yeah. You're going to get there.
there in his timing and you being a certain way isn't getting you there faster. Yeah, you know, sometimes right. you're thinking, this, if I do this, 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 I'm going to get their weight, you know. And just love your, your kids and, and, and just, just spend time with them and, you know, while you're doing stuff. But, you know. I mean, if you're not taking notes, because we're all going to say the exact same thing. So I'm almost 40, next year I'm 40, and I would, I would just echo really what's been said. And people try to tell me. So like yeah. right now, I'm just saying, like, we're trying to tell you. And people try to tell me. And, and I was, I've just always been a next girl. Like, next, next. I, I just always, that's always been me. And so when my kids were little, like Donna's saying, I was over the crying stage and the baby stage. Then I was over the toddler stage. I'm just always next. And it does, it goes by so quickly. And and I think sometimes we get so caught up in looking at what's next that we miss what's right now. Or we miss, like like they said earlier, enjoying the meantime. And finding joy in the meantime. And and just enjoying the journey. Um, That's been the story of my life is embracing the weight. And so if I can encourage you with anything, it's these three thoughts that God gave me. God positions, God promotes, God keeps his promises. God positions, God promotes, and God keeps his promises. And you can take that to the bank. I'm telling you, just be patient with the process. That's awesome. I would text myself probably, Dan Reed, you'll know what that means. Yeah, Megan, I know this is a long question, but I want you to make it short. Um, no, we can get to. But here's the deal, because I know Carrie and I talked, and, and, you know, plant the church, man, that's hard. You know, men go through depression, anxiety differently. Carrie and I have talked about that before. Um, you know, we just handle it differently. And I know you help navigate some of those, because helping to lead the church, the family. What do you say to a woman when she's in a position where she's now got to help her man? Yeah. You know, so how do you speak? To, just speak to that for a moment. Okay. And I'll go quick, I promise. Um, I, I didn't get it right, but I, I really didn't get it right because Carrie and I process things very differently. Sure. And so for me, my very strong husband, who is a very strong leader, was in a season of just feeling really weak. And I didn't know how to handle that. And so part of me was like, come on, next. Um, <laughs> but really, that, I, I did respond a little bit like that. And so that wasn't helpful in our marriage. And it caused stress between us. And, and so I had to learn to slow down. And I had to learn that, that God, God was going to be God. And he was going to pull him through what he was walking through. But I had to be a support. And so I had to learn to look for the warning signs. Because there's there's things that you can see that are happening inside your husband that nobody else can see. And so I had to learn to identify the warning signs 
And then I had to help know what were some steps that he could take that could help him navigate that. And we had conversations about it. And so I, I knew that he needs an hour by himself a week to just get some time to refresh, to read, to be refreshed. And if he's not getting that, then possibly it's going to like offset some things. He needs the time to work out. And if he's not getting that, it's gonna, things are going to be a little bit off. And so I had to work on my end to help make sure that he was getting what he needed. And then I also had to make sure that on my side of things, that I wasn't just dumping problems on him, but I had to make sure I had relationships in my life and leaders in my life who I could go to and they were speaking into my life and encouraging me so that I could keep doing what God had entrusted me to do. And that's being a great wife, but also being a pastor that was leading the church. And so I think that, does that answer well? That's so good. I think we can't take that for granted these days, right? Yeah. Yeah. And for us as well. I mean, I used to think depression was no big deal. No, you just go to the altar and then you're fine. Do you know what I mean? When you raise like that? And you just you just pray, God helps you, and then you're fine and go up there and change the world, like maybe talking about, but it's a real deal. And so I think we've got to be very sensitive to that. Yeah. And you know, it goes both ways. And I think our husbands need to help us as well when we need it. But don't take it too lightly. And I encourage you with that because that's when the devil comes in and can just, you know, speak lies to our husbands or to ourselves. Yeah, that's right. So I I don't want to like preach a message on that, but we need to be aware. Amen. And just come against the enemy and we are just not gonna we're not gonna have depression in our house in Jesus' name. Because God's been so good. And when we do we're just going to press through and get a friend and do whatever it takes to get to that next step. Amen? Yeah. Yes. Get the people around us. And yeah, we'll have a whole session about that. Yeah. Lindsay, yeah. Let's talk about, you know, you guys coming in, um, you know, newly married. Yeah. And then you're turned over to church. Mm-hmm. And you've got this blended family now. You haven't been fearful in a lot of ways. And just all these thoughts going through your head. How, how did you combat that? And did you feel like you had some expectations? I mean, walking into these shoes of Marguerite, I mean, she's amazing. Yeah. And not that you're not amazing, I'm sure as a woman, we just think, can we do this? No, that's, that's so true. I was completely afraid of all the expectations. Yeah. Um, like what a pastor's wife should be, what I thought it should be, what other people think it should be. Yeah. So that was a big fear of mine. And... Um, yeah, uh, I, I would say that, you know, growing up in ministry, um, I saw, and I, and I, um, I saw quite a bit of, like, how pastor's wives were involved in the church, and serving in different capacities over the years, um, but being a pastor's wife was, like, completely new territory for me, yeah. so it was, like, trying to process that, and stepping into a church that had been established for over 30 years, mm-hmm. and really not knowing anyone, coming out there not knowing anyone, trying to build relationships, um, was, like, challenging. So, um, yeah, I, I, then I had to think, like, okay, um, I'm not a preacher. I'm not an upfront person. Um, I'm definitely not a worship leader. You don't want me singing. You don't want to us, so that's out the door. So then I start thinking, like, well, where do I fit in? How can I contribute? And um, then I just realized, you know, I just need to be who I am. And I need to focus on my strengths and run my lane. And um, so 
Right now, I'm uh, infusing myself into what we call our guest experience, um, which is just like connecting with our teens, like greeters and ushers, and really making people feel welcomed um, when they come on campus, and um, just teaching them and cultivating an environment where um, we accept everyone and making you know it friendly and welcoming and inviting. So that's kind of I got to kind of like I said, focus on my strengths, and I just love connecting, loving on people, caring for people. So that's kind of what I'm doing, and I said, you know, it's not about all of those expectations of what other pastors' wives are doing. It's, you know, who I am and where I can contribute and make a difference. So, yeah. So good. I love it. Well, I hope your birthday, Pam. Okay, we just got a few minutes left. Does anybody have a question? We don't have a mic that we can bring out there, but I'm sure we can hear you. Anybody have a question real quick for any of the girls up here? That is a first. <laughs> they just said so many great things. Okay, well, I'm going to ask them one more question. Everybody's good? Yeah. Um, what are some ways, or, or I'd rather this, how important do you think it is to connect other female leaders? You know, we talked about getting numbers and how we need each other. Maybe just y'all could all talk about that for a second. How important is that in our world? Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, I'm the most passionate about that question, so I have to grab the mic because I don't think there's anything that is more valuable. And my goodness, we've heard it preached all day long today. Um, we really need one another. And I, I'm telling you, we, my husband and I would not be where we are today if it wasn't for the leaders in our world, the authority voices in our life that we've allowed to speak into our life. People that we've sought out, I think sometimes we're waiting, and if I could just encourage some of you in the room, I think sometimes we're going, I don't I don't have that person in my world, that that leader, that kind of mom figure, that that person to go to. Well, you may have to seek them out a little bit. Yeah. And you may have to look for them and listen, it might it might be a person that surprises you. Yeah. You just find yourself in a conversation and you say, Could I call you if I need some advice? Would that be okay? And I'm telling you, most of the time people are gonna say yes. And I, those voices in my life have been valuable, but building relationships, yeah. friendships, yeah. has been huge. And you have to create space for it. So we can't busy ourselves so much with the work that's in our hands that we don't create space to build relationships with other women who are doing ministry. Because let me just tell you, those friends who are not in my church, who are pastoring other churches in my area and around the country, are the friends that I call when I feel like giving up. And so I can I can remember moments standing in an airport when I called my friend Noemi Chavez and I said I am so overwhelmed with today's service. I, I'm so overwhelmed with I mean the numbers are so down and I, I'm so discouraged. Yeah. And she just spoke yeah. life into me. But you know that took me being vulnerable. And I also would say it takes me dealing with my own insecurities and not being competitive. Listen, that's a big deal because yeah. sometimes we're not vulnerable with one another because we're competitive with one another. And if you want to have a real relationship with someone, you're going to have to let that competition stuff die and actually be real. And that will create the best relationship you can ever have. So I, I could preach all day about it, but I'm just saying be vulnerable, be real, be authentic, and take the time necessary to invest. Because you won't know if they're going to be a great friend until you actually spend some time getting to know them. So good. Right. So good. Just seven on seven. But that is important. I know that our arc started you know, 18 years ago, and one of the reasons was we needed friends. Yeah. And so we just we, we made it a priority to go and connect yeah. and to be a part of their life. And 
that be part of our life. And, and not doing it and saying, okay, this is you've got to reciprocate it now. I'm only going to do it if, you, if, you, if you're going to get back to me now. I think sometimes you have to pursue relationships as someone else is helping that over getting uh, over there. We're going to get done in about five minutes. I got a, I got a great question because I think this is important. Because Donna, I believe, do you have two, is it just two dollars? Two dollars, yeah. Two dollars. Okay, I know we've got our kids are getting grown. Um, how are your kids? Uh, 12, 11, and 6. 12, 11, and 6. 14, and 9. Oh, yeah, 14. Lindsay, and you got a big <laughs> Yeah, you did. So, uh, <laughs> let's, let's do a quick thing on just best advice as a mom. Yes. I mean, my yes. goodness, I know we've navigated, all of our three kids are totally different, see the world differently. We've had different challenges with all three of them. You know, what is what is best advice? Because mother, ministry, mother of the church, possibly mother of a team, you know, whatever it is. So uh, we start down there with Lindsay, we'll come this way. Miss Monique, you'll finish it. to doing the stuff but not having the relationship. But I think also asking them, 
questions. Sometimes we just assume our kids are in church all the time. They know stuff. They just know everything. But it's like, ask them questions about God, about their life, about, you know, what's going on at school, or, you know, and investigate a little bit what their answer might be that you might need to help in. That's great. Because maybe they don't know it different. They are seeing your life from a different perspective, too, I noticed. You know, when they get older and tell the stories, they're like, where the Holy Spirit can meet with them. I mean, you know, I mean, of of course, church kids are always in church, but I don't just mean that on the front row church. Are they getting touched by the Holy Spirit? Are they having moments where they can't, you know, sometimes we'll have prophetic meetings. We'll have, you know, prophetic people come in. Make sure they're in the line, too. Yeah. You know, like, I want them to have a word that they can write down and pray over and say, you know, have a goal in front of them. Your kids need a vision. They need to know what they're running toward. And uh, so it's important that we get to help shape that, too, and help them see things they don't see. That's great. So we get to speak into that and over that and just declare some good stuff over them. That's so good. so amazing. I I think the greatest greatest gift I think I've received is the realization that, that as a parent, I'm an extension of God yeah. to my children. Yeah. So I've been more intentional about giving them the space to make mistakes, mm-hmm. learning how to walk with them through failure mm-hmm. and not investing in the same insecurities in them that I had growing up mm-hmm. by making them be, being perfect. Being perfect is important. Mm-hmm. And so it's just been a really great uh, moment for me to be outside of myself and not seeing my kids as they're a reflection of me, that they have to be great because then I'm going to look bad that they have the room to learn from their mistakes and that they can problem solve and figure out a way to get out of the stuff they get into. That's great. So great. So good. So many things we can talk about as a mom. I'm so passionate about that, too. Um, Gosh, where do I even start? I think I think being real, we've got to be real. What they see at home is what they see in church, right? They know you're authentic. They know they can come to you with anything. I think for me, I thought I could parent them all the same. Mm-hmm. And I learned after a while, yeah, yeah that I couldn't yeah. do that. That's that was good. shocking to me. Um, but they were so different. And I was like, how can you be so different? Why are you doing that to me? Um, so that was a challenge. The different personalities, yeah. the way they respond to, to each of us, um, and how to be sensitive to each child and what they need. Right. That was a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do better even in that area.
never dated. Never dated. Not really. And in one year, they all have people in their life now. <laughs> so our daughter will be married in October. Dylan has a, has a friend. He's up in New York. We don't know everything going on. We text him constantly. Are you all alone? Uh, I'm in New York. Thank you for Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.